I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lenny, touchdown for Bailey. Bailey twisted back for Lenny. 20 on the power play. Walstrom let it go. Big rebound. Score! Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Paging Pajo edition. Alongside Noel Fogelman, I'm Joe Bono. A reminder, you can listen to this show and all Lighthouse Hockey podcasts on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. To kick off the show this week, we're joined by the editor-in-chief of NYI Hockey Now and co-host of Hockey Night in New York. That, of course, is Christian Arnold, and he joins us now. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And how has life changed since the MSG commercial (laughs) has invaded our living rooms? Are you getting recognized in other locations other than the Blue Line Deli? (laughs) (laughs) Uh um uh, eh, not really thankfully it's uh it's a little <laughs> tough to watch yourself on tv especially with uh the media not really traveling too much this year so i've seen a lot of myself on television which i don't really like um but i know it's great publicity for the podcast which we'll take um which we're absolutely happy to take and um but no not too much just a lot of text messages from friends being like oh i just saw you on tv i'm like okay great thanks for letting me know and uh how was it like getting ready for uh tv on uh, when you guys recorded at night you got to pick out the outfit you gotta do the hair you gotta do the whole thing yes it's a lot more you can't just roll out of bed now and and go right into the studio and, and record it is it's much different and uh certainly been an adjustment i know um even with these zoom calls that we're doing with these press conferences now a lot of it is just uh 
making sure you're not doing anything weird with your hands and your face <laughs> during them. Uh, it's certainly been uh, been a struggle sometimes to be cognizant, like, oh, oh, God, we're on camera. Like, I can't I can't be weird for right now. And, you know, you can't make faces. So it's uh, it's definitely been different. That's for sure. Well, it has been a different type of season, but the Islanders have been great on home ice. 5-0-1, pick up another win, 3-2 against the Buffalo Sabres uh, last night. And uh, this was, a, you know, an important win because they have the Bruins next, and I know they've beaten the Bruins twice already at home, uh, but that is the top team in the NHL. And after stumbling a couple of nights in a row in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, it wasn't their best effort, got outshot, which isn't, unlike a lot of Barry Trotz teams, um, but uh, they, they found a way to win. And, and JG Pajot, um, he's been spectacular as of late and a lot of big clutch goals, especially against the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, I don't know what it is a bit about uh, Pajot and the Sabres, but he finds a way to get it done. And uh, you know what? You're right. It wasn't a pretty win. And I think even the team admitted that after the, after the game last night. And uh, But you know what? They'll take it. They need to kind of get out of that funk. They did play really well against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday. Uh, and they weren't rewarded and now and then they play on Monday and they don't play a great game, but they still find a way to, to squeak out the win. So sometimes that's the way just ho- that hockey goes. Sometimes it is a very weird sport. And sometimes it's those weird bounces that you kind of need to come away victorious in, in some of those moments. So it was two important points, obviously, with the way the standings are, what the schedule is. Um, you know, every game is a four point game and it's kind of become a cliche now with a lot of the players and coaches and everyone. But um, it's never rung more true than this year that uh, that these games really do matter and that there is not one game where you can afford to really lose. So those two losses in Pittsburgh hurt, but obviously getting that win against Buffalo in the manner that they did uh, grinding it out the way they did was was big and trying to get themselves back into a, a good spot there, especially with a very tough stretch coming up here with the Penguins coming in twice later on in the week in Boston on the docket as well. Right, And you mentioned a tough stretch because tonight and tomorrow are their last consecutive days off. And so I believe the end of March, March 30th and 31st, they play 19 games in 33 days. Um, it's a tough stretch. I think their busiest stretch in like team history. Um, can their like six man defensive core withstand that stretch? You know, it's a great question. I think that this will be the first real test of, of what, what that, that six man group is really made of. Um, you know, I think that you look at the way Pelic and Pulak have played, they've been outstanding, uh, especially Adam Pelic this year. And that's exactly what you needed out of him as your top two defensive pair. I think the bigger question and, and Noah Dobson too, I mean, we can't gloss over the way that Noah Dobson has played as a rookie. He has um, been absolutely tremendous. And I think the fact that you've had Andy Green there and that kind of that veteran mentor role um, has really helped him this year. And you've really seen him grow leaps and bounds. Yes. He's had a couple of games where you're like, all right, that's a, that's a rough effort. That's a rough outing, but he seems to kind of bounce right back after it. Uh, the one question, the one pairing, obviously I think that's gotten a lot of attention is Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield. And they just not, ha- they just haven't looked the way that they have in the past, especially Scott Mayfield. I think there's been a lot of, or a couple rough games. I should say, I don't want to say a lot, but there's been a couple rough games where um, two of them uh, in particular Mayfield have been noticeable, not for the right reasons. And I think that's always one of the, uh, I guess, unfair things about being a defenseman. You can do, the right thing nine times out of 10. Uh, and the one time you do get noticed is usually when you don't do the right thing. And that's kind of been the case this year with the, with the Islanders in that pairing, um, you know, on a night, they do do a lot of the, the right things most of the time, but there are mistakes and they've been costly. And that's, that's rough, especially as you mentioned, this, this stretch here where you're playing 19 games over a very short period of time and not a lot of days off. And it's a tough test. Um, 
And I think that's the the unit you're really going to end up being watching this this stretch of games because they've they've kind of had their their moments where they haven't looked up to par uh, where they should be, and those have been the moments that have cost the Islanders. And Christian, talk about the stretch coming up and the amount of games that are going to be played in a short period of time. I think a lot of fans were surprised that Ilya Sorokin did not get any of the last three games um, that they've garnered Varley twice in Pittsburgh and then again last night against Buffalo, considering he just came up with his first NHL shutout. What do you think Barry Trotz is thinking here, just going to Varlamov, especially last night after the two straight losses? I know you want to get back on track and, and pick up a W, but at the same time, um, I was surprised that Strogan didn't get the nod one of these last three games. Yeah, it's funny. We had actually talked with um, Chris King on the podcast this week on Sunday night, actually. And, and he mentioned that the one game he'd like to see him, you know, not just get the back-to-back stretch, which Barry has kind of indicated we'll see Sorokin in one of those games against Pittsburgh over the over next weekend. Um, but he would have liked to see him get a, get a game against Buffalo too, especially that since that was the team that he got his first NHL victory and he played so well in that game. But I think you're going to start to see Trotz dish out some more games, especially in March, considering how the schedule is going to be. And I think that's the way that he's really kind of formulated, at least for the first month or so of the season that um you know you're going to get marley in as much as possible because you have a little bit more time between games these first couple of months but now with march the way it is the schedule shuffling and everything that's gone on with the league and um you know the covet issues that they've had they've had to move a lot of these games around and everything's so compact um you know i think we're going to see a lot more of our uh, excuse me a lot more sorokin uh coming up here in march because you're going to have a lot of nights where you just cannot put varlamov in uh, that many games in that stretch of time. It's just not going to be fair to him, and it's not going to be fair to uh, Sorokin, who who needs to play. Um, you know, he's gotten better and better every time we've seen him play. And I think, um, you know, I said this the other day too, I think that for the first game or so, you saw kind of the vocal minority of people who um, kind of tend to jump to the strongest conclusion, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, um, when it comes to reacting to the way the team's playing or certain players are playing. Um, but I think a lot of people understood the situation that Sorokin was coming into and that he needed time to kind of get his sea legs under him here and that you've seen him each start. He's gotten better and better and better. And I think you've seen him gain more and more trust from, from Barry Trotz and, and the guys in front of him, um, especially those last two starts, obviously getting the win in Buffalo and even the the loss before that in Philadelphia. Those were two games where you where the team in, the guys in front of him were saying he played, he gave us a chance to win after that Philly game, you know, Bailey was saying we didn't, we didn't live up to our end of the bargain. So I think the guys in front of him have found more and more confidence playing in front of him. And I think you're going to see that rewarded in March because a, because he's playing so well and B because kind of really don't have a choice here with so many games um, in such a short stretch of time. So they're going to need to work him in there. And I think that's kind of what's coming down the pipeline. Barry was talking about that the other day that, um, there is sort of now a bit of a plan in place going forward for, um, you know, Sorokin to get in a few more games, um, especially with the way the schedule is. We all know the like lack of firepower the Islanders offense has. I mean, the defense, I think, has like three goals. Ryan Pollock and Adam Pollock don't have any yet. But we all know, I guess, every forward pretty much reached their plateau, what you can expect, except maybe Oliver Wallstrom. And we saw what, what he kind of could do last night when he had that heavy shot, you know, on the power play off the point he didn't score, but he created a great rebound that, that, you know, put it in. 
Do you think that he's basically the key to the offense going forward this year? Like the, yeah. Like wild card pretty much? Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, that third line is such a, is such a kind of, it was such a, a, a question mark coming up, coming in here this year. And, um, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get. And then especially between Bellows and Wallstrom and for the longest time too early on, it looked like Bellows was going to be the guy that was going to be the young gun that was going to get in there and be the offensive contributor when it comes to the, that third line and the younger, younger end of the, the spectrum there for the team. But Wallstrom has stepped in there and he's looked phenomenal. And he, you're like, you said, he has a great shot and he creates opportunities and you're seeing him grow more and more when it comes to his play on the ice. And you're seeing that in his confidence level. And I think that's a huge credit to the Islanders as much as people want to complain and kind of bemoan the fact that they're not throwing Wallstrom and Bellows in right off the bat. And they kind of gave Bellows a little bit more of an opportunity there the first um, couple games of the season, but maybe there's something to be said for just giving these guys an opportunity to kind of get a little bit of time before getting thrown into the lineup. And you're seeing it kind of pay off here with Wallstrom where he is um, creating these opportunities and creating these scoring chances. And, And he's not putting the puck in the net, but he's giving them a chance every time he takes the puck in the zone uh, that there's a scoring opportunity coming. And once those pucks start to go in the net, I think that you're going to start to see a bit more, a bit of a flurry there uh, with him really picking things up. And so I I kind of agree with you there. I think that he is kind of this wild card. And um, I want to say that Barry Trotz and Lou Lemerel aren't surprised like the rest of us, that he's kind of become this, this big part of the offense, but uh, certainly Right now, he's, it's been a bit of a surprise for us kind of looking on the outside in of how just how well he stepped in here recently as well um, and become such a big part of that offense. Right. And you mentioned Kiefer Bellows, who also got an opportunity. His last game obviously wasn't uh, pretty, and um, Barry Trotz actually called him out on, on, on that game. Do you see, an op- I guess, the scenario where we don't see him in this 19-game stretch? Um. I- I would, I would hope not. And I, I say that because I think that there's, you look at the way he was playing before he kind of got taken out of the lineup and had to sit a bit. Um, and he was playing pretty well. He was, he was kind of in that position where Wallstrom is now where you're like, all right, this, this kid's going to be there and he's going to make an impact on the offensive side. And I, and when they, two of them were out there again, before that stretch where he wasn't playing, the team looked really good. Um, the, I, that line, I should say, looked really good with him, with Pajot and, um, Wallstrom. And maybe it's not fair to Pajot to throw two kids on that line. Maybe you need a bit more of a veteran presence there alongside with him. Um, and, and maybe that's why he hasn't been able to get back into the lineup aside from that, that rough outing the other night. But um, I would hope that we see him at some point. I think he deserves another shot. I think he's played well enough in a longer stretch of time than just that one, that one game that's given him, or at least the coaching staff should give them at least some confidence to say, all right, that's a bad game but we need to get him back in the lineup. I hope that's not held against him going forward because, um, you know, I think he's a talented guy and he's shown that he can be uh, productive in the Islanders lineup. And then, and then they can use guys that, that have that kind of offensive sensibility. Like you were saying, it's, you kind of know what you're getting with everybody else. Um, Bellows and Wallstrom are kind of the guys where they have that off of offensive upside and could be creative and, and create those opportunities that the Islanders desperately need some, some nights where, um, you know, they're, you can see that they're just not, not putting the puck in the net sometimes with some of the guys that are on the ice. Christian Arnold is our guest, editor-in-chief, NYI Hockey Now, Hockey Night in New York co-host. Follow him on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. 
Um, I did also like to see Ali in the OV spot yesterday. I don't know the last time I've seen an Islander forward take a rip like that from that location on the ice in a power play. And the power play that's been pretty good, I think 12th in the league now. Um, you had confidence when when Barzell drew that penalty. And I read your article, Christian, about how you know the bench was excited to get on the ice because yeah. they have confidence right now in that power play unit. And you really go back to the break period they had due to the COVID stoppages and the games they lost. And the emphasis was going to be on the power play unit. And it's, you could draw a direct line from that period to how they've been performing. It's clicking in a way that we haven't seen it click in a really long time as Islander fans. Yeah. It's been um, quite the change, I guess you could say um, and change for the better. It, it, they really have um, taken it to another level and, and I think the interesting thing is, and, and the positive thing is that they're not getting a ton of power play chances, but the ones that they are getting, they're taking advantage of those opportunities. They're putting the, they're finding ways to capitalize when they're only getting one or two power plays a night. And that's, that's huge for them. Cause I mean, we've seen it where they, I mean, not this year necessarily, but we've seen it in years past where, um, you know, they would get three, four power plays in a game and they wouldn't be able to capitalize on one. Now they're getting a smaller sample size and they're finding ways to put the puck in the back of the net. And more importantly, they're putting the puck in the back of the net on these power play opportunities that are coming in really, really big moments and big opportunities for them. And they're finding ways to, to do it. Uh, I, I think it is the confidence level. I think they had a week to practice that. And that was such a big focus of that week um, that they were able to be on the ice and, and take a breath. And obviously there was a lot going on. I mean, you had the, the whole thing with the COVID situation with these other teams around them, but even just for them in that moment, they were on a, a pretty tough stretch of games where um, they weren't winning and you could tell there was some frustration and they were kind of able to take a step back and really focus on one aspect of the game and really focus on um, also just getting their, um, as the team was saying, getting their joy back in playing and showing up at the rink and you kind of see that pay off and in a way that we really haven't seen in, in a really long time with this, with this group. And uh, you can see it's a much, there have been power plays where it's not been great, but for the most part, there's a much better structure in place, much better puck movement um, guys finding themselves in good spots. And, um, and too, I think it's just some teams, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, I always do find it fascinating that certain teams give some of these guys space to work like they have, um, on these power plays, um, like you were saying with, with where, you know, uh, Wallstrom was lining up in the OB spot or even just giving them some more room to work down low. It, it's been interesting to see the way teams have responded to the Islanders power play as well when they're out there. Christian, you talked about, you know, the power play and, and uh, their uptick in production. And, you know, I think what Islander fans are still waiting for when it comes to production is the second line. And, you know, even, you know, the question mark of what the third line was going to be and what it still may be going into the season, it was without question, it was going to be Bailey, Bovillier and Brock because of the way they played in the bubble. There were articles written before the season about that line and big things that we should expect the carryover effect um, from them. And that was going to be a, a line that was going to be set in stone from day one. Uh, more or less, they've been together when all healthy, but none of them are getting going. And Islanders are finding a way to win enough games and, and stay very much in the mix in the Eastern Division. But at some point, there's going to be a dry spell with the top line or Pajot's going to cool off. And that's when it's really going to feel 
if Nelson and Bailey and Bavillier are not uh, contributing. So is there anything that you can see being at the games and, and, and being around the team as to what, what's holding this line back right now? Well, clearly they need to get noted goal scorer Ross Johnson back in the lineup. I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, <laughs> I, you know what I think it is. I think you are starting to see that line or those particular players sort of get back into the, to the space that they were. Beauvillier certainly has looked a little bit better each game he's been in since, um, you know, since he's come back from the injury, but uh, you know, it, it is interesting, you know, Brock is starting to put up, put up some points now and um, Bailey's maybe getting a little bit back into where he was. And I think maybe, maybe it is, maybe it is, you know, it, it is, it is very, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question because I think, um, I think right now if they had the answer, they, they'd be able to figure out, but, but you're just seeing these, those guys make a little, little mistakes too, that are, that are costing the team. Um, you know, for, for a long time, Josh Bailey has gotten a, a, you know, a rough shake of things sometimes and um, unwarranted. I think a lot of it, this year is the first year where I've, I've stepped back and I said, you know, there are some things here that, you know, criticisms that are fair and that are um, rightfully being pointed out and aren't coming from a place where people just don't like Josh Bailey. Um, and I think it's these little mistakes that are costing those guys when they're out there. Um, and it's kind of holding them back. And I, I don't want to say it's a mental thing because I'm, you know, I'm not in their head and I'm not a psychologist, but certainly when you're not putting up points and you're not, you know, you're having a rough go of it, it certainly can lead to some frustration and, um, you know, sometimes maybe it shows on the ice, but it's a great question. If I had the answer, I'd probably be working for, for Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz's staff at the moment. It just, it's just hard to pinpoint what it, what it actually is. And I mentioned the fourth line, which haven't we talked about it at all today. Um, you know, obviously noted goal scorer, you know, Matt Martin putting a big one in, in the last night. Um, they've been kind of, after a rough start, they've been kind of, you know, firing on, on all cylinders. And they have a decision to make at the end of the year with Casey Sezikis. I know they signed Matt Martin to the four-year deal. Crystal Ball, do you think that Casey's coming back? That's a great, uh, that's a great question. I... I, in all earnest, I would say this, this year might be the last year of that, you know, that energy line, that best fourth line in hockey, because there's a lot of financial um, wizardry that has to go on over the next couple of years with the cap, maybe, or maybe not going up with the way um, the players that the Islanders do have to pay um, coming up as well. It's Casey Zekas is one of those guys. This very well could be his last season with the Islanders. He, he does love playing here. There's no question about it. And there's, there is a value to him being on this roster um, beyond him and his role on that fourth line. But at the same time, you know, what he's being paid now um, and what he'll probably be asking for come free agency is, is it what the Islanders will have? And is it what the Islanders will be willing to spend for a guy of his talent and his skill level um, with so many other guys that they have to worry about in the near future. So it, it's a great question. I, I think this could very well be the last year Sezikis is here, unless he's willing to take, um, you know, a bit of that hometown discount to, to stay on Long Island, which which is a very good op- os- possibility as well. I mean, you have to understand these guys do love playing on Long Island. They love being with this organization. I think the one thing that the Islanders have kind of always had going for them is the fact that, while players in the past have always been hesitant to come here and it's been, it's been rough to get guys to come to, to play for the Islanders. Once they get here, they do love playing here. They do love the organization and they do love the area. 
Um, and Sezikis is a guy who's been through so many ups and downs with the organization. And he's someone you could tell loves being an Islander. So that he's, it's the same thing, kind of the Matt Martin situation where you could very well see him being someone who says, all right, I want to be here. I want to win here. Um, and I'll take a, a discounted price if it means we're going to have a better shot of winning a cup or we're on the cusp of winning a cup in the next year or so. Do you think he can take a page from Matt Martin leaving the free agency to Toronto, how it didn't work out there, knowing that, you know, the that line is basically what's always called Voltron. It's always <laughs> together. You need them all together, all the lines together. Do um, you think that maybe he would realize that him going someplace else for a million dollars more struggling would not be worth coming staying here seeing the new arena in belmont being with you know the guys and potentially you know contending for a cup yeah i think the difference with with casey and and, and matt martin uh casey zekas and matt martin there is that um i mean you're talking about, about two guys that have a little i think a bit more a bit difference in their skill set casey right. zekas is a guy that you could probably play you know on, as a third line center right. and as well as a fourth line center mm-hmm. Um, you know, and not to not to, I'm not taking a shot or dig at Matt Matt Martin, but um, you kind of know what you're getting with with him. Um, you know, I think there was a reason why there was so much surprise about his offensive output during the playoffs last year. It's because it doesn't really happen too much. You know, you know, you know what you're getting with Matt Martin. He's a guy who's going to go out there. He's going to play physical. He's going to hit some people. Um, he'll he's not going to make too many mistakes, and he'll put a couple shots on that. But um, Sezikis is much more of a, much more of a skilled player in the sense that he can, he takes, can take big draws, um, in his own zone, as well as in the offensive zone. He has a bit more of an offensive skill set, um, as well as that two-way game that he possesses. So, um, if he went somewhere else, I think he'd be as successful as he is now on Long Island as he would be potentially anywhere else that would try and sign him. We know he's getting a four-year deal, right? That's the rule. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you're right. I mean, 29 years old, this is probably his best and last opportunity at a serious payday. And um, But it would be weird for the Islanders to move into their new arena and Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin to be there and uh, Casey Zizigas not to be there to, to open up and take the first face off. Yeah. It, it would be strange. I mean, those are guys that have, uh, I mean – sort of cemented themselves in, in the lineage of, of what the what Islanders hockey is and what it will be going forward. I mean, you know, people kind of bristled and, and made fun of Islander fans when Matt Martin came back and they gave him such a, a rousing um, response at Nassau College. Um, I forget, was it Nassau College and Barclays? But whenever he came back to New York, um, you know, there was there was kind of that, that bristle of like, oh, why does this guy matter so much? But, um, I, I mean, Matt Martin is as... Matt Martin, Casey Zekas, Cal Clutterbuck have become as big a part of the New York Islanders and, and the area itself. Um, you know, as some of those guys who who um, have played here in the past, and I don't want to I don't want to say some of the guys who have banners raised, but there is certainly something to be said for the impact that those guys have had um, on the organization and as well as the community community um, that they play in. All right, Christian. Before we let you go, just uh, why don't you give a plug out to your. Uh your your podcast and tv star that you are and, and the show that you got uh going on with sean absolutely uh you can listen to hockey night in new york uh we're usually live every sundays at eight but obviously because of the schedule um it's been a little tough to stick to 8 p.m so we uh we always plug um if we have a schedule change or anything like that on our social channels which is just at hockey night and why on twitter on twitter instagram and on facebook um, we do a lot of cool stuff there, especially now with the video aspect of it that we're putting all these little clips and stuff. And, uh, 
you know, having, having fun with us, but you, and you can watch on twitch.tv uh, backslash hockey night and why um, to watch live when we do the show live at 8 PM on Sundays, or if there's a time change, whenever that, that time is. And of course, check out myihockeynow.com uh, for all great Islanders coverage, as well as lighthouse hockey. Uh, they do a phenomenal job over there as well. That is true. Thanks again, Christian. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Not a problem. Appreciate you having me on. That was NYI Hockey Now's Christian Arnold. When we get back, our Isles Buzz segment, the best stories on and off the ice. You're listening to PT Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. Joe Bono and Noel Fogelman. Time now for our Isles Buzz segment. We talk about the best stories in hockey on and off the ice. And Noel, I think what got the attention of most hockey fans this past week were the picturesque photos from Lake Tahoe. And I don't care what happened uh, in the game that made it get delayed until midnight and the slush that was the pool of water that was an NHL ice surface, but it was worth it just for those photos. That was, was gorgeous. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. It was, it was really good. I mean, it's typical NHL where they have a delay. was it, a nine hour delay in between periods, like the longest, <laughs> you know, intermission ever. And uh, when they, when they came back, they actually had like a little bug graphics thing, like, in between periods, it was nine hours. And then uh, Greg Wyshynski from uh, ESPN tweeted, which was, was really funny. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, in between uh, nine, nine hours, in between Islander goals, and they weren't even playing. So it was just, it was just really funny. <laughs> you know, just a little, little troll job by Greg there. But it was it was absolutely breathtaking. Uh, hopefully, they'll do it again. Hopefully, uh, they'll learn their lesson. I mean, I don't know if they had the Barkley Center ice people out there working on that, but it it, it was it was absolutely pipes. can't blame the pipes blame the sun Sorry. not the exactly pipes. <laughs> right <laughs> i was it got me thinking about you know the experience of going to these outdoor hockey games yeah you know it could be pretty brutal weather-wise to right. be sitting there outdoors you know for two and a half three hours and, and you're pretty far away and it's tough enough to follow the puck mm-hmm. sometimes if you're at a live hockey game in a normal size arena let alone from a football field. Um, obviously, it's a novelty to it. It's a big event. You get together with your friends, you party, you hang out, and it's a whole big thing. That being said, you know, could the NHL look to do future non-fan locations like this? And you know, if you would, you know, would there be any New York locations that would be ideal for that type of setup? Like, could they put a hockey rink in Times Square? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Could they? I think they probably could. They shut shut it down for the Super Bowl uh, week yeah. back in 2000, I guess, 14. I went on a toboggan ride in Times Square <laughs> while that was right. going on. Um, and I kicked a field goal. So yeah. I'm guessing, I mean, could you imagine that? That'd be pretty cool. 
Islanders, of course, will not be playing. It'll be the Rangers and Sabres again. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Right. But I kind of like this idea of these non-arena type locations uh, for this game. Yeah, I mean, even Central Park could be, you know, another place. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love it because basically it eliminates the cost in, in a lot of it. You know, you just, you don't have to worry about uh, you know renting out, I don't you know a place you know with servicing and stuff like that. Put the ice down, put some lights up, and you're pretty much good to go. Um, I'm trying to think where else would be a good spot around the country. I, I remember it was years ago they had one like was it in Vegas? Was it a Rangers King preseason game? Oh yeah, Rangers King game, like a preseason yeah. game. Yeah, you can catch yeah. that on uh, YouTube. Like right, that right, outside the hotels. Yeah, and, and the ice there was far worse than it was at like Tampa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. Go yeah. watch some Bernie Nichols highlights. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, they could totally you know, make some of these locations work. But uh, I mean, I don't know if it'd be a yearly thing because I think they'll probably like to get back to you know the stadium series and the Winter Classic next year. But I mean, as a novelty, maybe once every you know two, three years. Sure, why not? I mean, will the Islanders ever be in one of these games again? I th- honestly, I think they're going to have one of Belmont. The racetrack would be fantastic. You, know, you put it right in the, in the infield in the racetrack. It, you know what? And th- that could you be have the fans good. on the one side, yeah, on the infield, and yeah. I mean that could, that could be something. But I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where these games should really be the All Star game. You know, have the All Star game outdoors. It doesn't count. You know, I mean, I like what, that idea a lot. You know, That's cool. Right. I mean, what other sport do you have a game like this? Where the conditions are different, and I you know baseball. Yeah, you play pond hockey play. anyway in the All Star yeah. game. Exactly. So you, you might as well do it. And then if the ice conditions are bad, you can you know shut it down after two periods. Because apparently that game would have been official after two periods. That's what Gary Bettman was saying mm-hmm. during the intermission, and the teams knew that. Which it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, you, especially this wacky year. If you you know miss the playoffs by a point because you didn't play a third period, even though both teams were aware of it. It's kind of messed up. Sure. You know, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I do. I mean, I do, you know, it is something cool about seeing your players and, you know, the eye black and, you know, the yeah. way they, they dress up and the, the players obviously kind of get very creative with the, you know, yeah. the caps and Yaro lock wearing a mullet uh, onto the ice, you know, yeah. for the Bruins. And, you know, you want to, you kind of would like to see the Islander personalities be able to kind of get involved with right. that. I mean, the one game they did play in the stadium series was a—I mean, it was a bit of an afterthought because they were doing a lot of stadium series games at that time. Yeah, it wasn't squarely the focus of the NHL, mm-hmm. and it was the second game the Rangers played there. You know, they exactly. had played the day game ready against the Devils, and they snuck in another game with the Islanders. So, you know, it didn't really have the the, the feel as if the hockey world was, you right. know, into the Islanders playing yeah. an outdoor game. And I don't see a scenario where the Islanders are going to be the road team. Um, in any in any scenario where they're going to say okay you know we finally are playing a game at you know this amazing location in the midwest right. and we'll bring in the new york islanders <laughs> i don't it's unlikely to happen yeah um, we'll but, see you know good job overall by the NA, the nhl pulled it off you know they had the big hiccup probably brought some more attention to the game than maybe you know there was anyway because uh, it was trending on twitter there for a while yeah. you know i called it lake uh-oh <laughs> to the Lake Tahoe for there right, for a while. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, again, worth worth the, worth the photos, worth, worth the imagery for life. I think to have that game there. Yeah, absolutely. And is there like a better like personality in hockey right now than David Pasternak? I mean, he, he's actually, personalities he, plus a hat trick. A hat trick every yeah. other game usually right. works out pretty well. It, exactly. We all know like Conor McDavid is the best player in the world. Probably, you know, the best player we've seen, you know, since Gretzky. But he just doesn't have the personality for to be the main guy. Mm-hmm. You know, just want to, maybe it's just be beaten down in Edmonton all those years now. But you know, Pasta wants to be it. You know, all the Dunkin' Donuts commercials. You see, he likes to have fun. Now the whole Barbie girl thing. It's you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty funny, and he's a great player. So you know, he has the charisma and the talent. So it's a great combination. Other things that kind of occurred over the uh, last few days. Um, obviously, this Panarin story. Yeah, it's just wild. I mean, just. And, you know, we all know the seriousness of it because of, you know, the reports that we see out of Russia all the time. Right. Um, when there are political enemies or, you know, uh, but scary and, you know, he's a ranger, but you hope he gets back on the ice uh, pretty yeah. soon and feels comfortable enough for him and his family to do so. Right. And especially in his family back in Russia. I mean, they know they're opponents of, uh, Putin, but it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty scary. I mean, all all accounts, the story is just you know absolutely fabricated. But I mean, you have to address it. You have to take it seriously. And um, I was there was a tweet. It's actually pretty funny that the Ranger fans now should switch it from Putin suck to Putin suck. Yes, <laughs> yeah, which, which is it's actually pretty, pretty funny. You know, you don't want to make light of the situation, but you know, you could have a little fun with it. <laughs> and there's uh there's fans at Madison Square Garden tonight for the Nick game, so they can they yeah. can get on that pretty quickly. I know, that's um, right. You mentioned McDavid and obviously some of the plays that you know I don't get to watch a lot of Edmonton Oilers games live. Right. Really, yeah. You know, being on the West Coast, you know, but I I tend to just wake up to just these ridiculous moves that he's putting on. Yeah. And how much is this the Canadian division and the lack of defense? in this Canadian division that how, you know, with some of the numbers that some of these players, I mean, they're star players and you expect them to put up big numbers, but in comparison to a lot of their peers, they are outpacing them. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to pretend that that's not real hockey. It helps me with the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs are putting up this generational type season in terms of their (laughs) win loss percentages. Um, I don't know. Have you been able to watch any of those games on the Canadian division? Uh, what's going on there exactly? Yeah, I mean, I haven't like you know actively searched them out. I mean, if you know, if I flip one on and I'll, I'll for a few minutes because I'm just so busy with everything else. But I mean, Austin Matthews is having some sort of season. I mean, there's already talk about him getting 50 goals in the 56 game season. McDavid's almost a two point of you know game player. Uh, What's the you know, under who won the heart last year? Is you know, you don't have to talk about him much. I think he's third in scoring. Marner is having a great year. Um, I don't know if you put Astrid next to the season anyway, because it's a short season again and where the divisions are, but it would be kind of interesting to see Toronto win the president's trophy and lose first round. Say like you know, Winnipeg <laughs> or you know, Calgary, because that would that'd be fitting. But it's 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 crazy right now. It's like, it's, uh, it's I mean, just to put it in perspective, right? Maple Leafs and Oilers have scored 72 goals. Right. 
The Islanders have 44. Yeah. That's, that's a big disparity. Right. Uh, they play yeah twenty. They play twenty games. Oh, the Islanders have they have two games in hand on the Islanders. Uh, so that, oh that yeah, exactly. The Islanders, yeah, at least couple, have more put goals, up a couple yeah. six goal games. Be right back in it. Exactly. But you know what? Like you look at the bottom two. Uh, you know Vancouver, who every, was everyone's darling going into this year, has struggled uh, big time. They're minus thirteen a goal differential. Ottawa, who everyone thought they'd improve this year, five fourteen to one, and their goal differential is minus thirty three. So there, you know, there you go, right there. Uh, Montreal is coming back to earth a little bit. I mean, that division, you know, four teams have to meet the playoffs. You know, it's uh, that's mm-hmm. that's the rule. And and a seven game, uh, seven team division, it's it's one team who shouldn't be making it is going to make it, while the other ones, you know, the Mass Mutual East, you know, six teams can you know potentially make it. Or you know, right now the Islanders are, what do they have? Twenty one points. And they're 21 points there. I have a game in hand on the Capitals also have 21 points. The Flyers and Penguins Flyers have three games in hand with, against yeah. the, with the Islanders Penguins have two and they're both at 19 points. I mean, there's quite clearly a line, you know, there's those five teams and then the Rangers devils and Sabres. And what might make the difference is how you play against those bottom three teams in yeah. the division. Right. And uh, Islanders are taking care of business against the Sabres. They're three, you know, there um, two and one against the Rangers um, one and one against the devils. And, you know, and obviously they have those two somewhat surprising wins against mm-hmm. the Bruins, but lost those back-to-back games against Washington lost most recently back-to-back games against Pittsburgh. Yeah. So uh, lost back-to-back overtime games against the flyers. Right. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see kind of how the Islanders have fared against all these divisional opponents mm-hmm. at the moment. Right. Cause you have, the Capitals, Flyers, and Penguins, and I think they have a combined one win against those three teams right now. Yeah. And it's interesting to see because, I mean, the Sabres, you know, we've seen them a lot over the last week, are a total dumpster fire. Uh, we all know, even when Taylor Hall signed that contract, he was merely getting traded. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, if he stays in division or probably out west. But the, real, the real guy to look at is Jack Eichel, who's got, I think, five more years left on, on his deal. And interesting to see if the rangers try to get them the talk that the rangers try to make a move of course because they're the rangers so there's always of talk course. Of, of course but it's going to be interesting because i think they even though they're not making the playoffs they can kind of control who makes the playoffs because the whole team's a fire sale you know jeff skinner who's got i think 15 16 18 20 years left in that deal and like mm-hmm. nine million dollars a year full no trade clubs got scratched the last two games hasn't scored a goal this year yep and of course kyle oposo yeah. Uh, in Buffalo and, 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 um, you know, Franz Nielsen got put on waivers this week Yeah, in the final year of his five-year deal. And, you know, you go back now five years to July 1st, 2016. No bad. No one made bad. a good signing. No, no one made a good signing. No one. Lad. You know, I was very vocal no. that day and I was probably right. I was probably right. Yeah. Um, you know, that day the owners did not get better. You know, that was kind of my point. Right. You know, that that day they did not get better by signing Andrew Ladd and Jason Chimera yeah. and letting Franz Nielsen, Matt Martin, and Kyle Poso mm-hmm. go elsewhere. With that said, you look how awful the Ladd contract is. Um, and unfortunately, the Oposo contract and the Nielsen contract yeah. are both really bad contracts for their respective teams. 
So just a really bad. Yeah, that, that goes down as one of the worst July 1st in terms of signings across the league. Right. And then you mentioned Milan Lucic, who signed, I think, with yep. uh, Calgary. And that was a disaster. Uh, Edmonton, I'm sorry. Edmonton, that was a disaster. Uh, Louis Erickson, another guy, also a disaster. So it's a, a lot of He more was on waivers too, wasn't he, recently? Yeah, I think they all were, yeah. Everyone was on a waiver. Everyone signed everyone. on July 1st, 2016. Yeah. It, it, uh, exactly. <laughs> was on waivers. Um, all right, a couple things uh, from uh, the internet I want to bring up. I'll go first. I know you have one. Um, so remember a couple years ago um, when the Mets were really rolling and the and J.D. Davis uh, was on a hot streak and they they kind of started making that joke about the, the commercial, you know, and I need a hit now called right. J.D. Yeah. Davis. Right, remember that one? So now yeah. uh, someone on um, Facebook, uh, James Morgan, posted, I have a tie game and I need goals now called J.G. Pajo 877 goal now. So that made me chuckle. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty creative. Um, he's been great, uh, Pajot. Yeah. And um, tip of the cap to uh, the guys over at the OV pod. Um, obstructed views. I, they said in one of their recaps of their episodes, is JG Pajot the most Islander ever? Like the most Islander Islander ever. Right. And I'm like, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. And then you know, a day or so later, he's doing an interview and says, you know, I want to be a pain in the yes. ass to yeah. play against. He is the most Islander Islander ever. Yeah. You know, he does a lot of things really good. He's right. scrappy. He's gritty. He's he face-offs. I mean, he, he really was the perfect um, accusation. Um, he was really the yeah, perfect yeah. Um, acquisition for this team um, and uh, just fit in perfectly. And he is, uh, as they said, the most Islander Islander ever, I think. Right. And, you know, like, the Islanders – before this year, even before they got Pajot, couldn't win a face-off to save their lives. You know, saying the power now play. Now the whole team play. wins face-offs. Now the whole team wins the play, so the school and power play goes left and right. It's, you know, it, it's fantastic, you know. But um, I have a little thing on Instagram right now. Um, great account. It's called Daily Pellic, all one word, if you want to follow it. Hashtag Pellic Posse. And basically, they just, every day, just post a uh, same headshot off NHL.com of Adam Pellic. And they're going to keep doing that until he gets the recognition he deserves in the league. And if you, if you scroll down, it's basically the same headshot. And they've done it now, I think, pretty much all season going into maybe into the offseason. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, his contract is going to be restricted free agent after this year. Arthur Staple on The Athletic wrote a piece about what his worth is to the honors and around the league. So it's kind of interesting because he's a shutdown defenseman. I mean, him and Fulak, it's a great pairing. Uh, Pulak's also going to thought about getting paid in a couple of years again after this bridge deal. So it'd be nice to keep both those guys, but just, just check it out. If you want a good, good laugh, you'll just see Adam Pellick's, you know, beautiful mug, uh, posted every day. It is a beautiful mug. And I remember a couple of years ago, fans had the, uh, Adam Pellick fatheads, I believe they had at the, yeah. at the, at the Coliseum. So there's something about that face that people are, are gravitating towards. Or maybe it's the same people behind the account. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm still scrolling right now, and it's like it's got to be over 100 pictures of the same one. I mean, this is crazy. Just keep scrolling. It's, it's. Oh, I finally stopped. And how so. many people are following this besides yourself at the moment? Let's see. Uh, I gotta keep. I gotta scroll back up. Okay, here we go. Four, uh, they are four, okay. 
that should have looked up top, 414 posts. So it's 414 posts of the same Adam Pellick headshot, 630 followers. So hopefully after tonight, <laughs> we'll get that above 1,000. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, everyone follow it because you'll see that same uh, shot down defenseman uh, who did win a Norris. Because I, I'm okay. I'm joking a little bit, but that award should be defensive defenseman, right? The Norris. And they should have won the Bobby Orr, who is the offensive defenseman. Because why do we have a defense, mm-hmm. defensive forward award? You know, the Selkie. I right? like it. You know, it's like, I think it's just cool to have a name, have a trophy named the Orr. Yeah. The Orr yeah. trophy. The Orr. Right. Absolutely. You know, kind of like him doing the flop after the goal against Bruin, <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's something like that. But yeah, everyone follow that. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And hashtag Pelic Poxes. Very cool. And the last thing I have for me is the Islanders, uh, you may have seen that put out a couple posters um, in, in recent uh, weeks that have been uh, works of art by anthony zick and anthony i followed now for a few years because he used to do these illustrations for the columbus blue jackets and had these great game day posters for them and had some really creative ones uh when the blue jackets played the islanders then i believe he started working for the devils and, and then the islanders obviously brought him in to make a couple uh really creative ones against the flyers and then most recently against the pittsburgh penguins where they're at a pittsburgh steel mill you have sparky the dragon breathing fire um and then you have you know you have john tonelli you have brian trottier so really interesting on the choices here so the construction workers are there they have their you know orange bright orange vest on over their jerseys and they didn't go with just the kind of top name recognition islanders this was there was a lot of thought into this so brian trottier obviously an islander who later won a couple cups with the pittsburgh penguins you have john tonelli who uh defeated the penguins in that decisive fifth game in 1982 uh they were you know minutes away from the end of the dynasty scored the game time goals go score the game winning goal in overtime then you have David Volick, who scored the overtime goal in Game 7 in 1993. Ray Ferraro, who had a big series and assisted on the Volick, Volick goal. Yep. And then Trevor Gillies. Yes, of course. Makes, makes it, of course, too, because of fight night and the 10-year anniversary of that, which just yep. passed. So uh, really a tip of the cap. I'm not sure if he got consultants to come in and advise him of which Islanders uh, yeah. to draw, but uh, love to see kind of the uh, – you know, not the same familiar faces right. uh, representing the Islanders there. And I don't know if Trevor Gillies is going to get any kind of other recognition <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> beyond that anytime soon. So right. uh, congratulations to Trevor Gillies. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, well, listen, that'll do it for this episode of PTI Isles. Special thanks again to Christian Arnold. Next up for the Islanders, they host the Bruins on Thursday night, trying to be, make it 3-0 and against the Bruins at home this season. And then Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back against the Pittsburgh Penguins at home. For Noble Fogelman, I'm Joe Bono. We will talk to you next week, Islanders country. Good night.